Welcome to the Goblin's Creek Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Sasha. Uh, have a good episode. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy the episode. Uh, uh, Mr. Stark, uh, <laughs> this is our... Uh, Mr. Stark, uh, this is our uh, review of... Uh, love you, Mr. Stark, of uh, Spider-Man, uh, not an Avenger, uh, Homecoming. <laughs> Long-time <laughs> listeners of the pod will understand just maybe how much we... I loathe... Peter Parker in this franchise. Um, Sasha loves Peter. I have just very serious reservations, and I think he's <laughs> way overrated. I don't yeah. know if I love. Well, part of the reason that I loathe him is because of how overrated so he is, overrated. and how convinced he's people are that he is like unequivocally the best, the best. But also, like somehow, like flawless. I know. I'm like, <laughs> who is this guy to you guys? Like, I know. I'm like, I want to see what you guys are singing because. This no, is just the thing working. is, I I can tell, I can tell why people like him. Like it's not. Well, they try to make him endearing. They try to make him endearing. I think it's because, well, there is the like, like attract. Like a lot of people find him really attractive or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of like a heartthrob. It's <laughs> um, so funny. It is. It's it is. So it is funny. funny. But like, I think the other thing is like people like, people like how kid friendly he is, and people like that he's not cringy. Yeah. Uh, in the same way as the other two. No, um, that's actually true. Because look, I don't. I enjoy, I enjoy the Toby movies. They are cringy as hell, and not in like an entertaining way. Yeah. Like my big reservation of the Toby movies, and a lot of it is connected to how he treats MJ in the first two. Not even getting into Spider Man Three, where she yeah. should be with Harry by all accounts. Yeah. But yeah, it's just how insanely like horrible and awkward it is. And like yeah. Toby for me doesn't really work in that in that first movie at least too, because he's so obviously not a young person. Yeah. Like I can't even really buy into him being a freshman in college, let alone a high schooler. I think that that first it's like it's supposed to be a transitionary God, thing. Like, could he's be, not in high school. It's going to be though. hard to do this all in one episode. There's so much. Because we're, cover- like, we're covering one movie, but in some ways we're covering six. No, of course. Well, no. it's, it's the three Peters. I guess we'll be able to cycle back to a lot of this material in Far From Home when we get to it. Yeah, but... because Far From Home will be a test for one of my three Peters theories when it comes to the love interest. Yeah, that's true. Um, and that's something we can't really talk about, in my opinion, until Far From Home. Yeah, you haven't seen it at all yet. Because I haven't seen it at all because I don't like Spider. I don't like MCU Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I just think like from my experience, that Peter is successful in that. That Peter being Toby. No, well, no, um, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. It's he's what what I see is him being successful with. Like young, like elementary school boys and teenage girls. Yeah. <laughs> like those seem to be the audiences, the audiences that have most warmly responded to him. And I'm not shocked. Definitely not about the former. Like, yeah, yes. like he's so kid friendly. He's, he's so, so kid friendly and clean and neat and nice and uncomplicated, but also kind of funny, but only two kids, only two yeah. kids. And then I think. The teenage girl thing I don't understand as much, but I do think it has to do with like this weird. Again, I think it's like the clean, neat attractiveness yeah. of him. He's kind of pure. Well, also... and I will say like this is my lens, having seen a lot of like MCU like stand Twitter, where a lot of these people are like um, teenage girls, and I don't just want to say they're all teenage girls because there are like you know like non-binary teens who are like big into MCU Twitter yeah. and stuff and stuff like that. Um, and there are a lot of them who are like in college. Yeah, um, no, it's the tier, like you the like the tier. It, it it doesn't cut off once you. Turn I assume 20. the most fervent is under twenty, but yeah. I know that above twenty. No, well, yeah. and I think for a lot of them, part of it is the fact that like this is a Peter who is not creepy. Yeah. Like the other two. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we rewatched the first Amazing Spider-Man movie recently just because we wanted to watch it. It wasn't necessarily a comparison like adventure and you know i like andrew garfield and i think he's ultimately the peter i go with um yeah if you make me choose but he's also creepy yeah like he's in de- like he is endearing but he does have these like creepy moments yeah like, definitely he, has he creepy keeps like moments. a picture of gwen as, as his desktop photo yeah which like it's just like stra- like it's just strange to i me. think yeah that peter is going more for like the teenage boy crowd yeah or like yeah like the 
yeah, kind of like loner outsider. He's supposed to be like, a genuine teenage boy. Yeah, and that is. like includes all of these like. And it is. I think it, that's part of why Tom Holland is works is because he's like a fantasy. Yeah. Um, no, well, it's like what if there was like a like a white boy at your school who was nice and popular and but also like totally uncomplicated, like yeah. respects women, even though this guy, even though the narr like narratively he does not yeah. respect women. Um, <laughs> But like you know, all the it's like what if you yeah. have the like the perfect white boy? I think is kind of like yeah the idea behind this rendition. Like of he's cute. Spider-Man. He's really cute. Is the idea. Um, and it was, I mean, part of the reason why we got to talk about the three Peters is because it was like you had the first Spider-Man movie, if I remember correctly, came out in two thousand or two thousand two, and then that being the Raimi trilogy, then the Raimi trilogy happened, and then very soon afterwards, we got Tasm and Tasm two. Mm-hmm. And so when the new Spider-Man movie was announced in the MCU, it was like, how are we doing this already? I mean, that was people's response to Tasm, was yeah. how are we already doing this? Yeah. Especially because the Raimi trilogy, and really those first two movies specifically, are seen as, they still, in my opinion, hold up as one of like the best written like superhero films. No, Especially yeah. for that era, because that was yeah. like still the era of like um, the original X-Men. And yeah. X2 and well, X3. Like, I think basically, like, Holland and Homecoming, it has these kind of two kind of specific audiences and, like, a specific kind of teenager and a spe- and young young boys. Yeah. And then it's inoffensive to everyone else. Yeah. And I think it, the adult audience angle that they went for is John Hughes, Breakfast Club, 16 yeah. Candles, but, like, cl- way cleaned way up. Way cleaner. Way cleaner. Way much more of an MCU Disney. Yeah. Way, way more Disney. That's one thing. Tom Holland is hard Disney. Hard. He fits. He is a Disney product. Yeah. Through and through. And so, but this movie is meant to kind of like draw, it draws in adults with like the John Hughes, like you, you should have nostalgia for this. It's yeah. classic teenager. What, you remember high school? It doesn't do a good job of that. No. It got way too much credit for that when it came out and in its lead up for like being, trying for like being having this veneer. High school, like it had a veneer of like a high school Film. But it, like, it's not. It's not. It's not a high school. There's film. way too much well, Tony. Like, well, there's a yeah. There's way too much Tony, and it's like there's a reason why movies like The Breakfast Club um, and Sixteen Candles are complicated and messy and not cleaned up, and that's yeah. because that's what high school's about. I'm not saying that that like well, they have a movies, lot of problematic eighties. No, no, definitely like though. But one, yeah. they are much more committed to it, portraying teenagers to, as. Complicated, messy people. Well, and it's like Bender does not exist in. No. Bender could not exist in Homecoming, Homecoming? which is why there's not really a Harry type. Well, so yeah, of all the John Hughes characters, who do people like? And it's like Bender could not. He's the one whose name I immediately go to. No, of course, of course. Like, and Bender does not, could not exist in this movie. I mean, the idea that like Flash or Ned or Liz, I, we may, we may have to pause and move. I apologize to our listeners. Should we go outside um, or should we go I don't know where we can go, you know, when people are being deeply inconsiderate That's of true. our podcasting our time podcasting and space in our house. I think we may have to go upstairs to my room. Okay. Hopefully my mom does not hulk out and start <laughs> slamming her desk in anger. Um, but we'll, mm, it's, mm, it's unstoppable everywhere, horribleness. I hate noise. Okay. Okay, we're going to go upstairs. Okay. Oh, we're, oh not no, going, we're not, not going, going upstairs. upstairs. Um, we could go to Cragmont. There's a place we could go in Cragmont and do this because I don't need Wi-Fi to run. Yeah, that's fair. The cast. All right, we're gonna pick up and we're gonna move and we'll be back. And we're back. We're back. Hopefully with less minimal noise. minimal noise disturbance. Well, what I do want to say for Homecoming is that I am sympathetic to the fact that. It had to find a way to have a distinct Spider-Man story from both the Raimi trilogy and Tasm. Yeah. Because when we rewatched Tasm, part of the appreciation I began to have for it and understand was that it, it was trying to figure out what Peter would look like in that era, and it was trying to build ways it could differentiate itself from Raimi, the Raimi yeah. trilogy. And I'm sympathetic to that plight. Part of it for me, though, was always don't do another don't do another peter story do a miles story this was before into the spider-verse had come out and i i always felt that like i felt that way at the instant it was announced because i was like fucking just give miles a go it's so it's so much easier he comes up he has his own lore his own characters 
his own parents. He has his own Uncle Ben story. Yep. And I get, well, there, there's, whenever there's a Batman reboot and whenever there's a Spider-Man reboot, you will see jokes for two weeks about, I can't believe how we have to see the parents and Uncle Ben die again. Yeah. Um, But, oh God. And then this movie just decided it was going to sidestep that. It wow. sidesteps that. Well, I think this is the thing. This movie tries to be inoffensive to basically all of the age groups through certain, like, veneers of what it's trying to be to... It's, it's trying to be as generally, basically, widely inoffensive and popular as it can possibly be. And I think, honestly, that's my thing about Peter. I don't trust him because he's not, he's not flawed. Yeah. You know? It's Peter's the kind of guy, if I met him in real life, I would find I would just like, automatically going, I would automatically assume he was seedy underneath that. Yeah. Because he's just not genuine. He's just not yeah. a genuine person. Well, and it's it's like we've talked about. I, we might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but Peter feels like he's people are always like, "Wow, he's a real teenager," but he's not a real teenager. He's not. You know how he's written? He's written as if the person writing him only interacts with teenagers at like awkward family gatherings, yes. like at during Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mother's Day, East, like whatever. Um, it, but like it's it's Passover, it's like, like it's and it's like this version of this boy. It's like imagine like that's what it is. Imagine the screenwriter has a nephew. Yeah. <laughs> that they see like three times a year. Who's always on his best behavior when he sees. Yeah, him. but is also like shy and awkward and doesn't know how to talk to adults very well. Yeah. Like it's like that teenager isn't acting like that when that teenager is act is like with his friends. Like, he's probably getting all up to all sorts of shit. No, exactly. Um, but in this, it's like, the first thing, he, this is again, but the, the other thing about it is that the, from the nephew angle of, like, someone you only see three times a year, it's like, he's also, like, half an eight-year-old. Yeah. Like, the way that, like, you know, your relatives who don't see you very often kind of conflate you with the child you were when they remembered you better. So, like, even though you're, like, 15, 16, they'll see you as, like, 12, 10, 9, kind of. Like, yeah. that's what they remember about you. Like, that, this is also like that because, the, literally, it's so frustrating. The first thing he does when he's with Ned, his friend, is they talk about building a Lego Death Star. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you, being a freshman in high school wanting to build a Lego Death Star, for sure, for sure, for sure, would happen. I still, I still build Legos, yeah. okay? But I also swear and smoke weed and drink, and I'm not saying you have to be doing all of those things when you're 15, but there's no half semi-adult messiness. No, no. No, and it's like... um. The Liz subplot is, like, kind of where there's the most room for that, and it just does not do anything no. with it. Well, and it's, like, the way that Peter is messy is that he bails on his friends constantly, but his friends also don't seem to give a shit. God, his friends are so thin. His friends are fake as fuck. There's and too many of them. Not even as so in they're thin. fake friends, just, like, they're fake teenagers. They're all fake teenagers. Like, all, if and Peter's I'm, the fakest of them all, but all the friends are also fake. Like, he, none of his friends are pissed at him for ditching the decathlon for reasons that are unbeknownst to them. They have yeah. no idea why he's disappeared or where he went to, and he's presumably, a, like, an important part of that team. And no one is like, Peter, what the fuck is going on with you? Yeah. No, it's insane. One thing I want to say about, like, this, this Peter is the Peter that treats women the best, unequivocally. Yeah. This movie does not treat women that well. No. Are we gonna say, can we, there's so much meat for talking about the three Peters, but like we will, like we We're watched, gonna do it as we go through. We rewatched Tasm and we had a whole experience kind of falling in love with the Raimi trilogy yeah. like a couple years ago. Um, like, yeah, like Toby is cringy as fuck and stalkery, like through all those movies. Yeah. But those movies have a heart and Raimi has a heart that is deeply rooted in the comics in a way that this movie just ignores. Just ignores. Um, and then the other thing is that Aunt, the Aunt May. The Aunt May of it all. The Aunt May. One thing I want to be very clear about before we get into everything we're pissed about. Marissa Tomei, fine casting. Fine. No problem with we it. We like it. There are scene, the scenes that are just Peter and Marissa Tomei work to yeah. me. Like, they, they're not exceptional, no. but they work. Like, there is a good scene where, like, I think... Maybe my favorite, one maybe one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Peter comes home and she's like, "You have to talk to me." Like you, that is one yeah. of the moments of like that feels like a genuine kind of dangerous teenager moment of like a teenager is up to something that this the, this guardian is kind of losing the closeness they had with this teenager yeah. and they don't know where they're going or what's up with them and it's getting kind of scary. It's getting to the point where it's, it's getting, getting scary. scary. Yeah, and you can Mr. Mr. Tomei delivers 
that, that, fear. that fear in a genuine way. She's like, I don't know. I want to give you distance. I want to be supportive. But like, I don't know what I, you're coming home late. Yeah. You're bruised. Like, what the fuck is happening? Like, that was real. So uh, I want to say that Marissa Tomei Aunt May is not something I am unequivocally against. What I am against. The fact that she doesn't pass the sexy lamp test. The fact that she doesn't pass the sexy lamp test. And literally, I just cannot. This is. And then this is where we talk about Tony. Tony. Her, like makes horribly inappropriate comments about May. I mean, obviously they're not. They're like it's like a Disney movie, so they're not like gross, gross. Yeah. But they're clearly like sexualized and misogynistic comments, and he makes them in front of fucking Peter, and Peter acts like he doesn't. That's the no, fakest that's... thing about Peter. That's like to me what indicates how fake Peter is is that he's like he acts like he's such a good guy, but he won't call out Tony because he worships him. Yeah. That's like yeah. such a bullshit like patriarchal masculine the hierarchy thing of like oh well this guy's cool and he's iron man so how so, could i ever yeah. hold him to any standard yeah um, well and it's like if you can't and like this is where i think the idea that P the peter of this movie respects women is complicated because it's like well you don't if you won't stick up for your fucking aunt, aunt. yeah it's who like raised you no, yeah, it's it's insane bullshit that he just ignores it and that the movie lets him ignore it. Also, and Tony is like in a relationship with Pepper too at this point. Oh yeah, it's like it's like fucked from every angle. Basically. No, exactly. Like, and then like, well, like the happy of it all too, um, which we'll get I guess more into during Far From Home. But um, like, I one thing I just like the happy of it all not great, but we'll probably get into happy at Far From Home. Cause yeah, because that's far, when it happy really is happens. kind of. Far From Home is, is definitely the most happy-filled film. Which is, um, oh my god, it sounds revolting. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a happy fan either. Well, I remember watching Iron Man 3 and being like, oh god, please end up in a coma. He does. And he does. And that was a big dub. Well, and like, what's so fucking frustrating about the Tony as mentor thing in conjuncture with the three Peters and the Uncle Ben question is that Uncle Ben is who makes Peter Spider-Man. It's fine. It'll be fine. Um, There's a bee. I'm allergic. Yeah, he's allergic to bees. And they were just like, we won't have Uncle Ben. We won't allude to Uncle Ben. They and we'll have Tony, who's War. a completely different yeah. person here, with like a completely different worldview. He's like Tony is kind of the opposite of Uncle Ben. He's the opposite of Uncle yeah. Ben. Both um, both the Martin Sheen and, and the original Rain yeah. version. Um, and it's like, look, like who I both love. Yeah, we don't. I will say we don't need like a we don't necessarily need like a 45 50 minute uncle uncle ben like start to death like subplot in these films yeah but but making tony the mentor was not the fucking answer it was not the answer it was not the answer and the way that it like totally minimizes aunt may's role in peter's life is super frustrating yeah this aunt may i will say is the worst of the three aunt may yeah she is um and she's worse than i mean the into the spider-verse aunt may is pretty good too yeah. um and that you see that these these are women who are deeply invested in this child that they have reared and who are treated like they're their opinions are valued um, in both Tasman and the Raimi trilogy. The Raimi trilogy, Aunt May, like, is funny for a lot of reasons. Um, but she's still pretty Aunt May. Like, she's she's, Aunt she's May. a very real Aunt May. Well, and there is that scene in Spider-Man 3. Well, it's two scenes because Spider-Man 3 does this thing where it has one scene and then immediately follows it with a different version of the same, same scene. scene yeah. Where she's like, well, she basically just calls Peter out on his bullshit. She's yeah. like, come on, you can't do this. I don't even remember. I think it was about, like, marrying MJ, basically. It was. Well, I think Aunt May's best scene is, um, well, the scene that is most memorable to me, because I'm sure there, there probably is a better one. I haven't seen Spider-Man 1 end-to-end -end in a long time. Yeah. But um, there's a scene where to uh, Peter walks up to Aunt May, and it's like, I just want you to know, Spider-Man killed the guy who killed Ben mm -hmm. last night. Like, he's dead. And Aunt May goes, Spider-Man doesn't kill people. And it's like... Oh, oh, that's a real that's a real one. Aunt that's May. real. Well, and like try to give me a moment from homecoming that hits like that does. And that gets to the meat of what Spider-Man means to people and yeah. who he should be as a hero like that does. Yeah. Um, and this is where we get into it where it's like Peter from Tasm. I know we're getting to the, the three Peters again, but Peter from Tasm, Peter from Raimi. These are Peters who make mistakes as Spider-Man that like it's not just blowing up a bodega. It's like they are they are actively seeking out to seeking out harm to specific people. Yeah. It's not an issue of collateral. It's an issue of I had I have power here and I am hurt 
and so I, I want someone to pay. And that's like, that's, that's, that would, that's fucking real for like a teenager yeah. or a high schooler or a college student who's given these powers yeah. and who does not know how his to process his, at the his same guilt, time. his grief. Yeah. And this Peter has none of that complexity. None of it. It's, no. it's, I, like, it's all just about, am I going to be a part of the Avengers or not? And I'm like, well, that's dumb. Again, he has the mindset of like an eight-year-old boy. Like, yeah. it's like what an eight-year-old boy thinks they would be like if they were Spider-Man and they were 15. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, my conflict in my life would be pleasing Iron Man and trying to get on the Avengers. When it's like, that is not, I can just, 15 year old boys can be so cynical and nasty. Not that that's all of them, I don't wanna like paint yeah. too broad a brush, but like, it, they, th those kinds of like negative traits feel so much more real when they're counteracted with like the positive. Like, Tasm Peter kind of has that. Like, he has the no, nasty, that's true. but he also has the like genuine heart. And like, this Peter is just so, this, the edges are just sanded down to the point that he just feels artificial just like and a fake. Yeah. Um, <sighs> God, it really, it really and it's not sucks. really rooted in the comics. Um, well, that's the other thing too, which it was like I remember when we kind of got into the well, really when I got into the Raimi movies um, a couple of years ago, because I had I'd seen them, but I'd never really had like an attachment or fondness for Spider-Man. Yeah, and I was like taken aback by when talking to um, Alex, who's another yeah. host on this podcast occasionally. Yes, um, just about how closely it's pulled directly from the comics. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very faithful adaption. Well, that's why, like, Norman, Harry, M not MJ so much, but Norman and Harry, f and Aunt May and Uncle yeah. Ben in those movies feel very real. Yeah. And Tasm doesn't qu pull quite as much from the comics. It's trying to be a more modern yeah. kind of update, more further updated, kind of cooler, shinier version. Mm -hmm. But um, still, like, the Aunt May and the Ben and the Gwen are all still, like, pulled from the comics. Yeah. Um, for better and for worse, but that's more Tasm 2, which we haven't rewatched. Yeah, which um, we haven't rewatched. Peter. Peter. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god. Um. But like it is it is a thing of like pulling from the when it's a character that has been around for however long, you know, longer than most like people have been alive. More longer than most <laughs> people today have been alive like Peter, like like Spider-Man. It's like it's a little bit like with Batman. It's like there's a reason this character has that staying power and it's rooted in what the ultimate themes of the character yeah. are, but it's also rooted in like the specific of like the characters that form his like immediate network. Yeah. You know, like it's like, what is Batman without Alfred? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it is like, what if you did like Batman with like hot Alfred? <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> hot Alfred and like God, I'm trying and like I don't know, like Catwoman was like fucking obsessed with him or something. Like I don't yeah, like, I don't, a, I, I like can't making even, inappropriate I can't, comments about well, him. Well, it's like, like Batman is different because he's not a team. Like Batman is yeah, so yeah. the thing about Batman and Spider-Man is it's actually very little overlap because one is like this dark, brooding detective adult, and the other one is this like bumbling teenager who's quippy and fun. Like yeah. they're almost opposites, but um, but Spider-Man has that staying power, and so pulling from the comic, like there's been hundreds and hundreds of Spider-Man comics, and so like pulling from the best of that very long lineage is going to give you kind of the results that are you know you, the Raimi trilogy basically tried to achieve like here's we're going to put what's great about the comics on screen like what yeah. people love about the comics we want that to be on screen and this movie doesn't care about that no it doesn't and like I have like I will say there I have seen arguments that people make frequently that like the Peter in Homecoming is actually very similar to like comics Peter from like new like the new earth like whatever yeah. i don't even i don't keep up with the bullshit no. marvel like new earth yeah different universe stuff yeah but i'm also like bro like that shit is not old that shit is that that yeah. shit is like renovated spider-man yeah that's also, just new like, renditions of the original spider-man <laughs> yeah like you're getting so far removed from the source material at that point. no exactly well it's like you yeah you, i mean there's so many comics it's like you can you can put any Spider-Man on screen and say it's drawing from something. Yeah. But yeah. it's like, it's like Ned is not Harry. No. You know, no. Liz is not Gwen or MJ. No. Um, Zendaya is good in this movie, but she's not in it very much. No. Well, she's also not. I mean, she is MJ, and I, I'm not trying to say that she's not MJ um, yeah. for like obvious reasons. Like, she. Might... I don't have a problem with Zendaya being MJ. Yeah. What I have a problem with was them lying about it 
for like a dumb reveal. Yeah, that's and stupid it's like, that they why don't you just be honest about it and yeah. do something interesting with it? I do like the kind of loner. I like the loner MJ. I like the loner MJ. Um, I think she's more of a real person than than obviously Kirsten Dunst. MJ. Yes. It's it is prefer- that is one of those things where it's like they they kind of gave her an edge. No, like, they that did. That was the renovation. That was the renovation. Of I respected. I respected what they. I respected. She's not in it enough. Um, we're gonna watch Far From Home, and I'm not gonna talk too much about Far From Home because you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But when we watch it, that's really her, definitely her, her kind of coming out movie of like here I am as a character in this franchise. Yeah. As like a main character. Well, of. and I will say like when I first saw when I first saw Homecoming when it came out, I wasn't a huge fan of MJ Zendaya because I just kind of saw her as flat and kind of quippy, and again like the whole like lying thing it's like why fucking lie? like yeah. why insist to everyone that she's not mj if you're just gonna reveal the last minute yeah. that she's mj she's it just doesn't like yeah. shut up yeah. um but like what i will say upon rewatch was i was really enamored with her um because you're right they give her an edge she's like this she's like she doesn't have perfect hair she like is clearly intentionally styled to be kind of grubby yeah i love it um she's the realest teenager in the she's movie. the realest teenager in the movie yeah, by far i think is really what it is and i was really yeah. enamored with that upon rewatch yeah with her it's like you don't need like I'm, I'm not saying you need her to like have like a 13 reasons why a teenage problem for her to be a real teenager yeah but also yeah act a little depressed a little alienated Sometimes, yeah. Thank you. Be mean. Thank you. Thank you. Be rude. Thank you. Be, be irritable. Thank no, you. those and those are all real things. And oh, God, well, I think we'll. Should we get into Liz now? There's not a lot to talk about. There's not a lot to talk with about with Liz because she's ultimately just there to like connect to Vulture. But I think that's she's, the thing yeah. is people who act like these movies are like this drastic improvement for women in Spider-Man lore. I think you're missing- It is an improvement, some but of the, the bar sim- is so the low. The bar is so low. And a lot of this is very simplistic. Um, it's just package. Um, yeah. Like Liz is ultimately just there to like kind of be connected to Vulture and is also ultimately just there to be kind of like a prize. Um, yeah. There's like, and again, like she's immediate, like once it's clear MJ's in the picture, it's immediately like, oh, we're never seeing Liz again. Yeah. Liz has, Liz has, because her dad is in jail, Liz has outlived her use in this trilogy. And yeah, one thing I want to say is, like, I think Peter and Liz have, like, a mutual respect. They're friendly. They have zero chemistry. They, they have zero have chemistry. chemistry. Liz looks like a 25-year-old model. Well, she is, but yeah. she's older than that. And yeah. also dating uh, Clay Thompson. We got to... Well, shouts shout, out for shouts that. Shouts out, shouts out for that. That's yeah, a dub. I'm, well, Liz, okay, Liz gets a little bit of a bonus in my mind. Well, that's... Well, you, when told, I, you told me that already. Well, but. when I see her, I'm like, that's Clay Thompson's girl. Yeah. Not that not that Laura Harrier is not her own person. Um, but we love Clay Thompson. But I have a I have a certain I have a very um, affinity for Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, and so that's something I think about. Well, and it's also something I think about because Laura Harrier is way is like way closer to Clay Thompson's age than she is a fifteen year old Spider Man. It's insane. It's like bro. It's um, insane. But and like I really my frustration with the way that Liz is just kind of written out of this first film is. For her, when I see her, when I see the Vulture connection, I see this possibility to do some sort of Harry-esque arc for her, mm. where she and Peter are kind of close in the first movie. She finds out the truth about Vulture at the end, and it's this like devastating thing for her. And then she kind of takes up his mantle, like yeah. whatever that reimagination like looks like. Yeah, it just it seems it's like a missed opportunity for me. I'm just like yeah. I mean like. I think for me, it's like I, they they would have needed to invest in her character a lot more. Yeah, for that, that to work. Worthwhile, yeah, but they they were never going to do that. Yeah. But yeah, I wish they. I wish. I wish. Yeah, Peter. I wish they had invested in having giving Peter a more complicated relationship arc if they were going to give him one at all. Well, and he's like, he calls her his girlfriend during oh, like, that the was final insane. fight. He's like, I'm fighting my girlfriend's dad, and I'm like, she's not your fucking girlfriend, dude. You guys are on the only date you have been on is the one you are bailing on right fucking now. Again, it makes sense as a quip for an eight-year-old or an adult who doesn't care that much, but to someone who's invested in him as like a real teenager, it's like, she's not your girlfriend. She's not your fucking girlfriend. No, no. Like you bail on her at every given opportunity. Yeah. And like I will say to the film's credit, uh, like damn, I don't even remember rewatching this part. I just remember that it happens when at the end she's like, dude, like she's, she's just like, like I think at the end she is she does call him out on the fact that she bailed him. Yeah. She or he bailed on her at homecoming yeah. at the homecoming dance. Yeah, I mean she. What but, she says is is she's a little peeved, but mostly she's you know she's she's cool. She's like um, 
I hope, you know, whatever's going on with you, you figure it out. Yeah. But she's not, like... Dude, she, she's like, fuck? you're a decent person, but, like, you're fucked up. You gotta figure it out. Basically, yeah. Basically, it's kind of the take that she has. Like, you have some shit going on that is has you all fucked up, and you need yeah. to figure it out. Um, I will say the thing that this movie does that really works for me is Vulture. Vulture's great. Vulture. Mike, I love Michael Keaton. I love Michael Keaton, and I, I love Michael. Michael Keaton's Vulture. I love that this movie opens on him and what is kind of implied to be, like, his union crew. I, I don't think they're ever explicitly stated to be part of a union, yeah. but I, de- I definitely at least get that vibe. Yeah. Getting undermined by Stark. And, like, Vulture's, Vulture is super cool, but then I can't, like... It's also soured by the movie because the narrative is like actually Vulture is like horrible, um, and I will say he becomes an arms dealer. So I've, I'm not gonna die on the hill that Vulture was like ultimately a good guy. No, but it's like it's a fucking character assassination, well, like, man. What I think it is. How like, is Tony the fucking hero here no, when exactly. the movie opens with Tony screwing over these working class Americans? Well, especially when like having Tony fund Peter and having Peter be that close with Tony and and the specific like Stark internship and him already having that and was even saying something when they're in the car like he has the Stark internship he'll be fine he'll go to whatever school he like wants to go to which yeah. is true because he has Tony fucking funding him yeah Peter's working class background is completely it's undercut. completely undercut especially and then they and then there is this like new kind of nuance kind of surprising layer of class antagonism to Vulture's character yeah like the, you know the great monologue at the end you know we fight their wars. We pave their streets. We, and what do we do? We eat their table scraps. We eat scrap. their table scraps. Their ta- it's fantastic. Well, and, and this is part of the way that they stand down the edges that's so frustrating to me because it's like, what if Peter was... What if this movie committed to the fact that Peter is explicitly a character from a working-class background? What does that conversation look like then? Well, Especially Peter. because Tony, that's what Tony is doing that to Peter. Yeah. Tony brings Peter into Civil War. He brings him into Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that it's like, it's a superhero movie. So, like, Peter, like, wants to be, and Peter wants to be involved with these things of his own volition. But it's like, Vulture has a fucking point to make. Yeah. And Peter does not give a shit. Um, no. And, Peter doesn't engage with it. Well, and it all comes back to the fact that, like, I think what it is for the MCU and why they ign- completely ignore the fact that Peter is, Peter's family is poor is if Peter's family is poor and if money is a problem for Peter and if Tony is his mentor then Tony is a bad guy but it's like Tony is like a billionaire Tony is a bad guy yeah exactly like he's not doing it to Peter but he's doing it to someone yeah like he's doing it to Vulture no exactly well it's like Civil War is kind of the best late Tony as as I will call him yeah um, because there's kind of there's early, early there's Tony. Kind of first, there's yeah. like his trilogy, his trilogy, and the first Avengers movie. Tony is like one Tony in the first three movies, and and you can already like even in Iron Man three, you can you can see the way they're kind of gonna turn line eyes up. Well, it becomes Lionizer. a very sentimental movie. Yeah. There's a narration that he does. Yeah, it's different. It's very different than Iron Man one, but I still like him in Iron Man three. And then there's like. Gabagultron and on Tony, who is much more different because yeah. he's never in his own movie. God, we're on episode like seventeen, and we're doing. I love that we still call it Gabagultron. I know. Not Gabba even with, without even thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I feel like Tony works in Civil War. Late Tony works the best in Civil War because he's an antagonist. Yeah. And I don't know. He's kind of. Lets, it allows him to be kind of more of a real person, a little yeah. bit. Um, well, it's like not how... that I think he's like a totally three dimensional character. Yeah. War, well, it's but... like how can someone with this much power who spends that money and time building weapons be completely flawless. Well, yeah, it's like Vulture's an arms dealer. Like, Tony was an arms dealer. Yeah, and it's like, wh- what arms are, what arms is Vulture dealing? It's the, it's the Stark ones. Yeah. <laughs> or he's trying to steal them. A Vulture and his crew do create their own weapons, like, I will say that. Out of but the alien. Out of the probably. alien stuff. But it's yeah. like, that's like fucking, they're being resourceful. Yeah. And like, again, it's like, how is that different from Tony? Yeah. Tony gives... Tony gives a 15-year-old boy, like, a drone AI suit. Well, well, that's another thing I hate about this movie. Peter did not make his own suit. Fuck that noise. Fuck that noise. And it's a Agreed. fucking AI drone suit. Fuck that. Fuck that. No, seriously, fuck that. Um, it's stupid. I, I, this, is, this is where I think it's time to come back around and say that I think the, the same things that make Peter likable to so many people, this Peter likable to so many people, are the same things that kind of make the movie yeah. likable to so many people, which is that it's clean, light, fun, moves fast, 
and it's it, it, very inoffensive. Yeah. Um, that's the entire the entire movie is that. No, um, well, it's like as much as I dislike this movie, as much beef I have with this movie, as much as this movie offends me, yeah. it is not in my bottom five. No, it can't be. Films. Well, it makes because me more it's a angry. Competently yeah. it's, made but it's movie. more. It's it's not incompetent. It's no. very competently made. It, it it never it never really drags. I will say that I can't it, say that I, for Infinity War. I can't say that for Infinity War. It never. It's not. There are times when it's not particularly exciting. Yeah. Um, it never totally drags. It's it got a momentum. It feels like there's always something going on next, even if it's of not of little substance, you know. And the stakes never feel quite so high, but it's still the stakes still feel higher than like an Ant Man. Like this, I would say That's this movie true. is That's still better true. than Ant Man, even though Ant Man makes me far less angry. Um, <laughs> honestly, you know that's yeah. I it's I don't know what my ranking is, but it's probably directly above Ant Man. Yeah. I mean, I, I and I, I if you if you want to say like oh it's not as good as Ant Man like because Ant Man's funnier yeah that's true too but I think this movie has a little bit more going on I mean Michael Keaton um, that's true Michael Keaton is a much better villain in my opinion than and Darren I like Darren Cross yeah you but, really liked but I kind Darren of like Darren Cross I do like Darren Cross a little bit ironically because he is just so much of a psycho he's so much whereas a psycho. Michael Keaton I really buy, I'm really much more no I really him. I really buy into Michael Keaton in this movie well like. Dude, like, Which is so why I'm so frustrated. <laughs> when he does that thing where he looks like this is just one of those like just put Michael Keaton in any movie like it's like it doesn't matter it's it, he'll be great like when he well okay Michael Keaton has been in bad movies but um <laughs> like when Liz gets out of the car and he says I want to have like a talk with you he he looks at Peter and he goes of he doesn't maybe he, he like confirms that he knows he's Spider-Man but he goes like of all the reasons I didn't want my daughter to date and then he does this like shrug thing and it's like fantastic it's so funny <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, not car ride. I will say that car. But also nefarious and scary. Yeah, but also funny. No, um, and like Keaton's performance makes that car ride scene work. It makes it fun. It's funny that Liz is kind of like a, a little bit oblivious to it while it's happening. Well, and it's like what I love is that it's it's Liz who kind of exposes the fact that Peter's Spider Man, even though he she, she has no idea that that's what's going on, even though she has no idea that's the case. And it's funny to watch Vulture come to that realization as it's happening basically no it's amazing with the green light on his face with the green light on his face and he's looking at them from the rear view it's really cool <laughs> it's really cool that's really cool no and there there are plenty of mcu movies that don't have anything don't have any sequence that cool in them that's the one time the stakes actually feel really high no they do well um, because it's like they're in a car together and peter really is freaking the fuck out yeah <laughs> like i'll credit tom holland here too peter's it's not I mean, it's kind of it's kind of over the top, like, yeah. out, and it's not like, of course, he's freaked out, but yeah. like, he's really freaking out. He is freaking out. And Tom Holland is like, I mean, I mean. Well, when they do me. photos together, it's really funny yeah. because he he just cannot do it. And also, like, there's at one point where Vulture's just like sharpening a knife. Yeah. Just and he's just doing like husbandly activities, basically. But it's so but scary. But it's so menacing, and it is also it's menacing. Yeah. And it's funny because it is like he is just sharpening a knife. He's just doing kitchen work. Yeah. But Peter is like, oh my god. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> get me out of here. No, it's so true. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's kind of homecoming. And I'll do what else do we have? Well, we we should go over a little bit. I think more of the supporting cast. Yeah, you're probably right. We covered most. We covered MJ. And we covered Liz. I think pretty extensively. Which talk about the guy in the chair. The guy in the chair, Ned. Well, and this was part of what was very frustrating for me: wanting a Miles Morales movie, and going into Homecoming and seeing Ganke. Yeah but just rebranded. A rebranded and less interesting and less fun Gonke. Yeah. Because Gonke's relationship with Miles is very fun. Yeah. It's very fun. They have a lot of chemistry. And then what's also like just so much more frustrating is when Into the Spider-Verse came out, which is fantastic. I love Into the Spider-Verse. You get like a breed. Miles' roommate in that is like only very, very, he gets very, very little time. But I remember Lord and Miller, I remember reading Lord and Miller talk about how they originally had him be more Gonke, but then Homecoming came out and they had to like kind of like go back and like redo some of that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, you took an original carrot, like a Gonke's, a, there's a reason why they took him, and that's because Gonke is fresh and cool. And I was like, you had, you, oh God, it, it's just frustrating. It's like Miles, yeah. Miles cannot have Harry. Yeah. I mean, I would love, I would love for Miles to have a Harry figure. Like, that's yeah. all I really want for my, for an Into the yeah. Spider-Verse, like, sequel or third film or something. But it, it was to me like, like this is, this is a part of Miles' lore, and you took that from him. I think my thing with Which me, is very, I mean, it's I don't know that much about Gonke. I like Miles Morales. But no, I, I, I mean, I, well, yeah. But I haven't, um, 
uh, read his his like origin story books, yeah. his like original stuff. But um, my thing with Ned is like him and Peter are never mad at each other. No, there's no real emotional stakes to that relationship. That, and honestly, I, relationship, the actor for Ned, I don't think is that good. Yeah, Matthew yeah. made a comment. He was like, that guy's terrible. We were watching like Far From Home or something. Um, oh my god. <laughs> but like Ned. Yeah, I don't think the net actor is good. It's just the, the fact that they, they don't commit to that relationship enough to ever put it in jeopardy. No. Um, well, and that's the thing about the relationship Miles has with Gonke, which is that, like, there are times where it is strenuous and where it yeah. is, like, weird and difficult. And I'll say right now, like, Ned is probably funnier in Far From Home, but again, yeah. the relationship is not tested. Yeah. Um, and it's, so it's like, you know, they're teenagers. Like, your best friend when you're in high school, like, those relationships are... Significant. Very significant. Especially if you only have, like, one close friend. Yeah, and Peter only does. No, yeah. Um, It's frustrating. I do like this iteration of Flash. I, li- I do like this Flash. He's funny. Um, he's funny. I will say he, he wins me over. <laughs> but he is just funny. He is, he's not yeah. more than, There's not more a than an arrogant more ass. Going on. Yeah. yeah. He's not, like, the Flash or, like, from, like, Tasm. Yeah. Or even oh, Taz and Flash. Taz, Taz and Flash. Flash. Is all, Taz and Flash also wins me over. No, he does. He does. Um, <laughs> well, I think it, Taz and Flash has a real moment with Peter of like a genuine emotional understanding where yeah. we don't know what's going on with Flash's life, but the fact that Flash can be like thrown into a locker by Peter and be like, "Your uncle died." I yeah. get it. Well, yeah, and again, that, that's another thing for me of, like, Taz and kind of doing a, working harder to depict teenagers as more three-dimensional. It's like, Flash is a jock dick. He's also a human being. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he's not the worst person in the world. He's not a supervillain. He doesn't no. need to become one. Well, and he's it, just a and dick it's, sometimes. And it's clear that when he goes up to Peter before Peter throws him into a locker, which I will say I, I don't fault Peter for doing that given the mm, fact that no. Flash bullies him incessantly. Um, and that his uncle just died. Just died. And, um, but it's clear when Flash approaches him that he's there to be like, bro, like, I'm sorry. F, like, F. I'm sorry that your uncle died. Yeah. That sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, like, that's how he's going into it. Um, yeah. And this Flash, I, this Flash is funny, but, and, like, He doesn't this, have a moment like that. He doesn't have a moment like that. He definitely, he has a moment where he becomes, where he becomes, like, a Spider-Man, like, fanboy, kind of. Yeah. But it's, like, that, that's not as meaningful to me as if he had, had, like, a meaningful interaction with Peter. Yeah. Or even if he'd had, like, an emotional interaction with Spider-Man. Other What's, than Spider-Man, yeah. like, just taking his car and being, like, I keep, have, like, keep such a hard time because like I'm not even sure Tasm is a better movie than Homecoming I just respect it more I think that's what it is that's what it is it's but it has it has Tasm has plenty of cringe Um, plenty plenty but it probably is better well and like I will say when you were talking about the Aunt May scene that works in Homecoming where she's like Peter just talk to me the thing about that scene is it's the Sally Field scene. It's the same as the Sally. It's Fields. the same as the yeah, Sally Field scene. It's not even a different. It's not even a different version of that Aunt May conversation. No, it's basically um, the same conversation. You couldn't. You couldn't think of anything different here. Yeah. Basically, I mean, but, and like, uh, there's well, only so many iterations of that. Oh my God, my teenage son is like, I don't know, getting jumped every yeah. every week or something. Like, there's only so many <laughs> ways you can play that. Yeah. But it is just like this is not different. No, it's not. It's just a thinner version. Well, it's like there's Peter. This Peter. This movie would never let Peter like slam a door and have a chatter. This Peter no. would never and just walk away and just, and just walk away angrily. Like, and to me, that's just well. That. It's like, and this Peter doesn't let someone steal money from a cashier and then take the milk that's thrown to him. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. No. Exactly. No. The, well, because Garfield this- has so many more moments of like dry wit. And like this wry, crazy, like a fox personality in some way. He's a little bit crazy. He's a little crazy. Well, it's like the ending scene where he's like, promises are meant to be broken. Yeah. And it's like, Peter, you madman. Madman. <laughs> no, it's yeah. an absurd. It's an absurd piece of writing, but it is like. But he is. He's, he's a, a bit of a madman. He's a scoundrel <laughs> yeah. in some ways, and this, this like, I, I like it. It's teenage boys uh, scoundrel for teenage boys just works for me it works for me loner scoundrel uh not bad not bad at all no um, not bad well that's a little bit of the i think appeal of like kind of harry potter and those books yeah is he's he's like no. he's constantly ostracized by the no, majority of hogwarts that's that's very hairy and then, no yeah <laughs> no yeah that yeah no i agree and then this, it's like every year they find a reason to hate him <laughs> uh, just this peter it's like uh, just like a sentimental uncom like un quote unquote uncomplicated like stem nerd who 
is probably going to be a straight edge till he dies. <laughs> just the way he's he's kind of painted yeah. in, in Homecoming. Frankly, it was disgusting. It was disgusting. Well, it's like Andrew Garfield is kind of stoner representation. He is. Well, the he's fa- scruffy. Well, and like when he comes home and he's like getting all of the food from the fridge. Yeah. Um, and Aunt May and Ben are like, what is going on? Like it's clear that it's like clearly written to be a parallel to like Peter is getting stoned or is somehow involved with some sort of drug. Yeah. Um, and it's being li- like he's just being crazy, and his family is like Peter, Peter. No, Peter. <laughs> no I just prefer. And it's like Holland doesn't. Holland will never have a moment like that. No, it's just I think it, that is the thing. If it's like Zendaya in this movie will probably become a stoner. Yes. Um, if she's not already if she's inclined. Not already, like Andrew Garfield's. Would, Toby is like this weird alien. <laughs> Toby, I Toby, I can't imagine existing in the real world, um, frankly. But Tom Holland, I, the thing with Tom Holland's Spider-Man is that I can't imagine him living in the world world. I can imagine him be, being very popular, and I would still hate him if I met him in real life. Yeah. Like, you have this reverence for this billionaire, and you're like... This, well, it's like, imagine, imagine if someone was like a Bezos stan. I would be like, wow, you... Or Bill Gates stan, or like I think something. The, I mean, I will say, I think the, the it, correlation is Musk, probably. No, that's actually true. And no, that's true. Well, because Tony is directly paralleled to Musk um, in Iron Man 2. No, so, but no, I mean, my sister's boyfriend is a Musk fanboy, and I'm like, bro. <laughs> Did not wind up being a good son. Did not end up... No, I... Well, no, and then my... For the listeners, my sister's boyfriend um, is kind of a, um, I'm not going to call him a psycho, but he's possessive and a little bit crazy. And But, I mean, he's he's a 19-year-old boy. That, yeah. this, this is the thing. He's a teenager who's obsessed with Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, is, is a liar and is, 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 he's a bit of a scoundrel. No, he's not Tom Holland. He's not Tom Holland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm like, people who are obsessed with Elon Musk... And Elon Musk types are usually not great people. Well, it's, it is this weird thing of, like, Tom Holland worships. Well, it is it is the thing of, like, Tony making those gross comments about Aunt May and Peter saying nothing or not not even acknowledging them, which is, again, so frustrating. But, like... His expression, like, does not change. It doesn't change. He doesn't even react. I'm like, bro. What the fuck, dude? Like, what... Do you have no self-respect? Yeah. But, like, <laughs> a respect for your aunt or just yeah. pride or... Anything? Anything? Like, you have no moral backbone. No, no backbone. backbone. No backbone. But um, it is it is a thing of like he doesn't want to be like Tony, but he still worships Tony, and it's so strange because it's like he must worship Tony for being, like Iron Man. Yeah. Um, and again, like that's how the movie wants like kids to respond to Tony. Now. Yeah. Like, but then he want they want like adults. I see him everywhere. It's so strange. It's like how can you worship Tony and yet not want to be a playboy like at all because you're Peter Parker like <laughs> I don't understand it I don't like it well that's a, yeah that's another thing too is he doesn't try to emulate Tony in any of his like personal yeah. behavior which is like weird it, it's there's well, just it's like, this, like what disconnect is his, what is his vision of who he's trying to be that's gonna please Tony like he <laughs> wants to be much more like Cap than he wants to be like Tony no that's true that's true oh god it's it's really it's really horrendous I will yeah I mean Rewatching Far From Home really did solidify. After rewatching Chasm, well, we rewatched. We saw half of Far From Home, or no, no Homecoming. Homecoming yeah. Sorry, yeah. we saw half of Homecoming, and then two months later watched Chasm, and then like a week later watched the last half of Homecoming. Yeah, um, but we both seen it before. We we'd seen it before. I me a couple room. times. I think, yeah, I've seen I think it like, like twice, twice maybe. So, yeah. Um, so like we knew we knew what was going on. We kind of already knew what, how we were gonna feel. But, well, like it is a competently done movie. I will give it that. But um. Yeah. Rewatching Tasm, I think you're right. Like Tasm is not as coherently or not as competently put together. No. And it's still it like Connors I don't think is as interesting a villain as Vulture. Yeah. Gwen acts like she's like a twenty five year old woman. Yeah. Um but I respect it more. And I respect I respect, I respect it what more. it's going for more. I respect Mark Webb's vision. I respect Mark Webb's vision. I'm a web b- b- I'm a web web head. Web web yeah. Well, and it does come down to the fact that of these three Peters, Garfield is the one who feels most like a teenager I would be friends with, or who I could, I, uh, yeah. I would be friends with, I could be, or who I would know. Yes. Kind of just variations therein. No, I agree. Like he's a he's a bit of a scoundrel teenager who like. Well, but he's funny and he's, he's smart, smart and he's smart. and he's but he's all you know he's a little bit like Alex. He's a little bit like uh, no he is a little, a little bit, like, bit like Alex. Garfield was also like advocating towards the end for like a for um, that version by of Peter, Peter to be by, which, and I believe that which, that version of Peter no, could well, it's be like by. I watched those movies and yeah. I'm like, this version of Peter is probably by, yeah, um, yeah, and he re- yeah, he reads, he reads, his he bi. reads it, he and reads, I, his and bi. it's easy to read Andrew Garfield's performance is like, 
sci-fi. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's, it's there. I think it's there. It's never explicit, but it, it's there. It's there. Yeah. Um, and it's like, Homecoming does not give me nearly as much to think about positively yeah. <laughs> in terms of how it's changed. I think that's what it is. is the, the way that TASM changes the lore of Spider-Man, I can respect in certain ways, even if I don't agree with like a lot of those decisions like I, I don't like the the um, scientist parents bullshit or oh, really yeah. the no, scientist like father that. bullshit it's not too invested in, in TASM 1 yeah it becomes too big a deal in TASM 2 I TASM think. 2 is a mess but there are at least a lot of scenes that I love the Harry scenes they're so Peter. funny Peter was she a model employee oh my god <laughs> well we should do TASM episodes at some point we just because TASM. TASM is like well, very I think we fun do... I think we do Raimi. I think maybe we do Taz and then Raimi, or vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. Because we um, can do good episodes on, on on all of those movies. That's true. Is she um, a model employee? Is she a model employee? Oh, my God. Harry's like... <laughs> well, like, I would... Brief, just a briefcase full of junk. Brief, briefcase full of junk? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like to think about it. I don't, it. <laughs> I don't like to think about it. <laughs> just one. Just old... Just, just one spider, spider guy, or spider or, man, or, or woman. woman. We, we don't know for sure. <laughs> well, no, and it's like Holland doesn't have any of those kinds of moments. No, and I will doesn't. say, like old friends, that scene is like not good. Like we laugh about it a lot because like it flops in this key here, way. Here's what I will say: You were well, obsessed with that scene. <laughs> I was obsessed with that scene. I, 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 there was a day when I had. That I just got to spend like the whole day just going around New York City, like taking the train. I went to Brooklyn. I was in Manhattan. I was in Queens, and Man I, I I went to the during bridge. I went to the bridge. I went to the to the carousel. I slid down the bar. Um, I got a woman to take a photo of me doing that. Um, <laughs> take a video, um, which was awkward but fantastic, and I'm Worth glad it, I have yeah. it. Amazing, one might say. But here's what I will recall: We used to watch that scene a lot. The movie it doesn't it might not work within the context of a movie because the movie flops. Yeah. But I remember think I remember us watching it enough times to be like this scene works. No, that's true. By itself well, this scene is entered this scene carries like, the emotions. We forward. were kind of, uh, it was kind of a beautiful disaster. Like I was obsessed yes. with the way that Dahan was playing this Harry. Oh, it's amazing. Which was just so bizarre. Yeah. And also the way that like Peter is interacting with them. It's like seeing a ghost. Well, it is like if like Dahan in for like 2014 when Taz or like 20 whatever 2014 when Tasm 2 came out um 2012 maybe uh, 2014. I think it was probably like 2014 yeah um yeah if Garfield Spider-Man Dahan has to be just because of who those actors were at those specific eras in our like culture and like yeah. movie industry if if Peter's Andrew Garfield Dane Dahan is Dane Dahan is Harry that is an, that's uh, that true. is an obvious pair that is a one yeah yeah um yeah Peter. Also, yeah, both of those guys have been in, like, have been, like, this is another thing, again, is, like, that scene is weirdly written and strange and bizarre in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, like, Dane DeHaan and Andrew Garfield are both really good actors. Oh, I know. Like, Dane DeHaan, like, I just watched, I watched Place Beyond the Pines yeah. Um, yeah. a handful of weeks ago. Dane DeHaan is magical in that movie. Yeah. Well, and, like, um, Tasm followed... Garfield's performance in Social Network, a great, a great which Garfield was a performance. fantastic Garfield performance. Yes, Eduardo. A fantastic performance. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Both of those guys are like legit actors. Yeah. In a way that Holland, I mean, he's young, but I've never seen Tom Holland in something that I really liked, and it seems like he's mostly just on a Disney track. Now. No. Well, yeah. Now he's just gonna be he's pushing products out of the Disney pipeline. And he's kind of always like, from what I can tell, he's playing versions of the same versions character. Versions of the same character. Yeah. yeah. Um, from what I can tell, I haven't seen Onward, um, but yeah. Well, well, and it's like, what is Onward? Onward is uh, Holland and Pratt. It's Peter and Peter from. Yeah. It's the Peter Peter. Yeah, basically. Of it all, basically. Yeah. But um, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Onward. I'm really not interested in watching it, but. I'll watch it at some point. I have enough respect for Pixar, but. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I haven't seen it yet because I'm not that interested. Yeah. Yeah. This is not. No, this is not the onward cast. This is not the onward cast. An onward I'm, cast for a movie we haven't, haven't seen. seen. <laughs> no, onward. The onward cast for people that will who judge seen solely on the fact that Chris Pratt and Tom Holland are the leads. Yeah. Well, yeah. to be fair, that's why I decided not to watch it. That's well. That's I decided fair. not to watch it ultimately because I was like, I don't want to watch another movie about two brothers. Yeah. I don't like. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are renditions of that story where it works, but I was like, I'm not interested in two brothers mourning like their father, basically. 
exactly. Or not, they're not even trying to resurrect their father. I don't even remember what it was about. I don't remember. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to eat this food, Pixar. Yeah. Basically. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what else do we got? Um, if the, I don't think there was anyone else in the supporting cast we missed. Basically, is there anything else that we're missing about why this movie was so well received? Um, it's clean. I mean, we just talked about this. It's clean. It's inoffensive. Um, he's the perfect, he's, he's the perfectly behaved white boy. He's the perfectly behaved white boy who is aw- awkward enough to be cute to a lot of people, but not genuinely awkward enough to be endearing to me. Yeah. He's more cute than endearing. He's more nerdy than smart. He's more, he's more eager than heroic. He's more yeah. eager than brave. You know, it's, it's all of these things that, that, that make him kind of fake to me. Yeah. Um, and but now I'm not talking about why this movie was well received. I think, <laughs> again, I think it's just the Tasms are both hard to swallow for a lot of people for good reasons, and and weren't successful again for good reasons. I think that I think the audience for Tasm is is much more narrow, yeah, um, and less broadly appealing, and appeals more to people like us. Like Tasm yeah. is probably, in terms of it might not be like, Tasm probably has the most commentary on like has the most college stoners will like relate to yeah but 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 this movie has stuff that like kind of anyone could relate to especially kids yeah and kid friendly things do usually get really well received that's true like that's things true. that are kid friendly people are usually like since it's kids friendly since it's kid friendly it doesn't need to be that much else yeah um it doesn't cuz it's not it's not going for something that is can be too complicated yeah. Um, well, there's this idea that, like, um, yeah, being complicated and being kid-friendly are kind of, like, mutually exclusive. Or it's, like, because you are trying to be kid-friendly, I will excuse you for not trying to be complicated. Yeah. And it's, like, kids are kids are complicated. Yeah. And also, let's have kids think about complicated things. Well, it's, like, Up is like that. Yeah. You know, Up is probably my favorite example of a, of a movie that is super-duper kid-friendly and yet also genuinely hilarious and beautiful and resonant yeah it's complex um you know that's up is a up is a beautiful dream up up is honestly one of my favorite movies but this is also not the upcast not the upcast (laughs) um a movie we have seen and that i do love very much yeah what else i think i think that's good i mean i I wish i I wish i could get more into i wish i had a more sophisticated commentary for why it's so well received yeah um, but it, it almost i think well, it's maybe I think, too obvious i think it's almost as simple as it's an uncomplicated movie for kids made by marvel yeah every well it's like what are the, what are the what are but like they're, they're mar the yeah. mcu doesn't have like real flops like it has dark world it has gabagultron yeah. it has a like, few movies that don't work but those movies still made their money they still made their money no that's true i think but people i but i will say like I do think Homecoming belongs to the era of Marvel in which all of the movies were very well received. No, that's true. It very much belongs to the Guardians Volume 2, Black Panther, Ragnarok phase. Yeah. It's right in that. I think it's the first one. I think it's the one It's the one that comes out. No, it's Guardians it's the, 2, then Homecoming, then Homecoming, then Ragnarok, then BP. Yeah. And, and then, then Infinity and then War. Infinity, which was also fairly um, well received. Yeah, pretty, very well hit received, people pretty frankly. good. Um, so, like... It very much belongs to this era of Mar- of the Marvel of the MCU that is kind of when the MCU was on its like public perception high of yeah. being like these movies are not you know great but they're good they're good and they're not just trashy superhero movies like they used to be considered in like Phase Two. Well, and what I think is interesting about that roundup that you said is it begins with Guardians Two, which in terms of like MCU is like it's a it's a more auteur movie for an MCU movie. Yes. Then Homecoming happens. Then it's followed by Ragnarok, which is also more of an auteur film. Yes. Um, and then it's followed by Black Panther, which Abba DuVernay left because she wants, she's more, she's someone who cares deeply about like auteur film yeah. um, and making sure that her films are hers. But Black Panther is also, it, Black Panther is like clearly, well, it's like yeah. a Ryan Coogler project. Yeah. And what it is, is you see Guardians 2, Ragnarok, and Black Panther were all movies where the MCU really, I think, trusted the director yeah. and the director's vision. And I think Homecoming kind of gets like just gra- just thought of in that same class. Yeah. Even though I don't think it's I don't think it's on nearly the same level. As it's not movies. on the same level. It just but yeah, it belongs to this kind of 
But I think it's the it's like the John Hughes thing. Yeah. Even though I think that's fake, it is like. Well, there wasn't an going... MCU movie about a teenager yet. Yeah. No, I think exactly. it's as simple as that. I think it's and oh yeah, that's true. And once one came out, it was almost guaranteed to be a blockbuster. Yeah. Once they these movies that are for kids that only especially because it was Spider Man. Yes. Specifically. So kid friendly. Yeah, and I think people. I think you know what it is too is like the bar is low for Spider Man. Spider Man is such a popular character, and people wanted him in the MCU so badly. Yeah. And you know, people have had really mixed feelings about how, especially about how the previous Spider-Man movies have aged. Yeah. Or how good they were in the first place in some cases. Um, <laughs> the last three. The last three. Um, yeah. But, like... The brutality of it. The brutality of it. But um, I'm not sure he can take anymore. <laughs> but, um, the random British reporter in... Spider-Man 3. In Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Shouts oh, out to him. Shouts out. But um, I think... I think yeah, that kind of gets at it. I think we can yeah, yeah let's call it. Let's yeah. call it yeah. Good episode. Light blinded, blinded by the, the light. light. Doo, doo, doo. You have just listened to the Goblin's Creek, the one-stop <laughs> shop for all of your genre media streaming on streaming review needs. On streaming review needs, unless it's not on streaming yet, which. Hopefully sometimes it will happens. be. Sometimes we review stuff that sometimes we review stuff that we just have on DVD. Yeah. This is the Goblin's Creek once again. Tell all your friends about it, cause it's your one-stop shop for <laughs> genre media on streaming, media on streaming being reviewed by two goblins. Two goblins. We're actual goblins.